Um, last week, we looked at reformation through intentionality um, and, and what it means to be intentional uh, regarding the things of God and, um, and, and how he operates and what we're supposed to do. It was a, a chance for us to uh, look at our priorities in life, um, what we value, how we live up to those priorities and how we don't, and to, to notice all the areas of hypocrisy that exist. Um, and it's been a challenge for us all week, has it not? as we have to begin to confront some of our decisions that we're making that do not necessarily line up with what we know our priorities should be. And if you were anything like me, then you tried to figure out, well, should that be the priority, the order of the priority? Should, then you want to go back and rechange the priorities, but no, no, no. You knew that those are right. And the establishment of those priorities in your heart and mind is something that God gave you. It's something that he established in you. And because you're not living it out does not mean that it's not what he wanted. And it's good that we can hear what the spirit of God desires from us and for us. Amen. And everything else about what we do has to submit to that. Amen. Y'all doing all right? Okay. I mean, it's only going, it's only going to go up from here. And, and today, today I get to do something that I've always loved to do. And, and that's to teach a little bit about other stuff. You know I love other stuff. <laughs> I mean, don't get me wrong, I love Jesus, but I also love other stuff. And today I get to look at some other stuff. You know that kind of stuff. Come on, Stephon, you know that kind of stuff. You, you know, you know. <laughs> some of the other stuff that I enjoy looking at, we're going to look at today. So as we're on week uh, 47, we said, for five, with 47 left, um, uh, we're going to look at how we are reformed or reformation through the word of God. Reformation through the word of God. <clears throat> There's a quote, speaking of the word of God and my terrible book selection for our entire church. Um, <laughs> I did find a quote from Richard Roy that I liked. <laughs> She petty. <laughs> from, from, from one of his teachings, um, he says, one of the biggest problems and one of the biggest mistakes in the history of Christianity is that we have separated spirituality from theology and scripture study. In other words, we put the scriptures and theology in the hands of very immature and unconverted people even clergy. We put the scriptures in the hands of people who are still at the egocentric level, who still think it is all about me, and who use the Bible in a very willful way. It's all dualistic. <laughs> Reformation through the word of God. I love this quote. All right, because Richard Rohr is saying that one of the biggest mistakes we make as believers and in Christianity is that we've allowed people to interpret the word of God that have not been converted that still think of themselves first and, and what they need and what they want and what they desire. They still have a strong opinion and a desire to be right. Uh, very difficult for them to submit or to surrender. And when people with that type of heart interpret the word of God, they're never gonna see it accurately. Never as he intended, right? And so one of the biggest mistakes we made is that we let people who are still egocentric yeah. interpret scripture. And not only do our leaders do it, right, but we ourselves interpret scripture based off of our own desires, that we're looking to find how we are right and not how we are wrong. We're looking to find validation for what we want. We're looking to find validation for who did us wrong. You know, and we'll listen to a whole message and we'll read all the scriptures and we'll say, mm-hmm, that was them. Uh, that's what they did. Mm -hmm, they need to repent. You know, and... <laughs> And it's either, it's very dualistic, this, yes or no, left or right, and that's all that it is. And when that type of mindset tries to interpret scripture, it is very difficult. It is so difficult that later, thousands and thousands of years after God first spoke, he then gave his spirit as a means to help interpret scripture appropriately. Amen? All right, so let's look into it. Let's, let's look at 
Uh, let's look at some basic scriptures about the word of God. I'm going to give you a couple that we've already covered in this part, particular series um, since we started the Reformation of 2023. Uh, Hebrews 4, 12 through 13. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and spirit and the joints and of joints and marrow, and is a discerner of thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him uh, to whom we must give account. That scripture reveals that the word of God is used to discern our hearts. And it also shows, by implication, the nearness of the spirit and soul. As man is a trichonomous being, how we can use the word of God to determine was that me or was that God? Is that my desire? Is that his desire? And the word of God lets us do that. 2 Timothy 3.16. All right, we used this one just last week. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, the breathing out of God, and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. So now the word of God equips us to do the good things that we're supposed to do. So we see it as a discerner of the heart. We see it as, as a way to be righteous or to walk righteously, even though it is not, you know, us fulfilling it cannot give us our righteousness. And then we see it as a way that we are equipped to do good works and to, the, to do the will of God. There's plenty of other scriptures. I also want us to look at Psalms. Psalms chapter 119 is the longest chapter in the Bible. The longest psalm in the Bible is, and the longest psalm and the longest chapter, it, comprised, it is comprised of 176 verses. Go ahead and go to it, Psalms 119, and just flip through how many pages Psalm 119 covers. And its entire theme is based off of the word of God. All David is talking about in this psalm is the importance of the word of God. Right? He gives at least... 10 different synonyms um, or terms that he uses to describe the word of God. All right. The law, testimonies, his ways, precepts, statutes, commandments, judgments, the word, sayings, and truth. So in every, in just about in every verse, only three of them don't directly say something about the word of God. But every other of the 176 verses directly mentions an aspect of the word of God in a unique and different way, never repeated. 176 verses. And not only that, but scholars would also let you know that the makeup of 119, Psalm 119, takes the Hebraic alphabet from alpha to tov, 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 tov. <laughs> Between Minister Monif and um, Dr. Smith, one of them going to tell me. Right? <laughs> it's going to take us from A to Z. Well, I would be Z, but they're not their Z. But nevertheless, all right, uh, that each line of this poem, uh, e every eight verses, reflects one of the letters of the Hebraic alphabet. So you know how when you guys write, and uh, I like my mom because ma M stands for magnificent, and O stands for um, uh, uh, outrageous. You know, he did that. <laughs> And every eight verses takes an alphabet of the, Hebraic, uh, of the Hebrew, Hebrew letters and uses it to describe the word of God. So it was a, it was a way to better, under, to better remember the importance of the word of God by seeing it from A to Z. Amen? Amen. So if you wanted to read it, you could. <clears throat> Some additional information regarding that. And this is, I'm telling you this because if you wanted to know the importance of the word of God, there it is. All right. And the way I want to look at Reformation, how we are reformed by the word of God, is not just by reading it, because I think that that is something that we've gotten off in terms of our basic understanding, mm -hmm. okay? Um, but if you really want to know the attributes and why it's important, this psalm goes into it over and over and over and over. It consists of 21 traits of the blessed or happy person. It contains 15 things that God has done. It, it contains 70 requests, 30 vows, 18 secrets of victory, and 22 reasons why God is happy. The prayer that repeats itself most often is, teach me thy statutes. Mm -hmm. David prays for understanding four times. The relationship between life and law of God is mentioned five times. And the approach is different each and every time. The psalmist expresses his love for the law or God's word. The word Jehovah is mentioned 22 times, and the psalmist recognizes the quickening power of God's word. These are all huge aspects. And if you, and if you look at Psalms 119, you find that David fell in love with the word of God. 
I mean, this is just a love affair. And I've never seen a person love the Bible, scripture, so much so. And I wanted to know why. Why? And then some of us, we have a, a homework relationship with the word of God. It's homework. It's eating right. It's a part of my being healthy, right? That is not the connotation you get from David's writing about the word of God. He talks about all of his benefits, but he also shares his desperation to hear it, to have it, to know it, to seek it in a way that I'm like, do I love the word of God that much? (laughs) And it is just an impassionate decree of his love for just knowing what God has said. All of the Old Testament reveals the word of God through prophets, through psalms, through teachings. Uh, Some are direct quotes from God himself. And the Bible itself is comprised of all of that, words that God has used men and, and spoke through men to give us what he wants us to know, what he wants us to see. The problem is that the word of God also contains within itself a bunch of atrocities, some pettiness above pettiness, murders and sins. It It speaks on every evil thing that mankind is ever able or capable to do. If you wanted to do something wrong, the scriptures of God can show you a verse that may make you think it is okay to do it. How? How could something be so righteous and God-inspired, but then also be used to condone uh, murders and genocides and slavery? Uh, how, 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 where do people, are all of us not human? Something is wrong with us. Why do you read it and get one thing and I read it and get another thing? Yeah. So this is, this, this is, now we have to figure out what was the intention of the word of God, right? What, when God spoke it, gave it, put it in print, when he sent it through his prophets, what was he trying to do with this? W- did we mess it up? Are we, is it a user error? <laughs> because that's what it feels like. And can we all come to one consensus about how we're supposed to use it? Because even Christians differ on that. From, from fundamentalists and literalists to those who are very metaphorical and symbolic. The, 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 the range is huge. So now even amongst believers, like, I don't know, don't take it all. Take all of it just as it is, not all of it as it is. Just kind of use your best common sense. (laughs) So new believers are like, should I eat the meat or don't eat the meat? Uh, Well, technically you could eat the meat, but if you don't eat the meat, I don't even know. Right? Anybody ever been there? What did God intend when he gave us his word? Let's fast forward. We've looked at the Old Testament a little bit. Let's fast forward all the way to the last book, the book of Revelation. I want to show something here that I think is huge in how John had um, an amazing revelation. This one you should go to, Revelation 19, verses 11 through 13. When you're there, say amen. Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. The one sitting on it is called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. He's called Faithful and True. Oh, yeah, he's in righteousness, he judges and makes war. His eyes are like a flame of fire, and on his head are many diadems. And he has a name, look at this, written, that no one knows but himself. He is clothed in a robe dipped in blood, and the name by which he is called is the word of God. It is quite possible that John is having an understanding that there was a name that was given to Christ that no one knew until now or then. And that, and I don't mean the name Jesus. That wasn't the point, all right? But there was another name that he embodied that really fully, excuse me, uh, explained and showed in great detail his nature. Now remember, man's relationship to God and interaction with God always involved naming, even from Genesis. So now Revelation comes up and we see Christ as having this name that no one knew until now. And it's quite possible that name that no one knew was the name that he then reveals, the name by which he is called is the word of God. 
That's a big deal. And it comes up at the end of the book of Revelation because it shows uh, the Alpha and Omega from the very beginning to the very end. Here is what we need to know. Jesus, the word of God. And it was a mystery. We knew him as Messiah. We knew him as the Christ, the anointed one, the son of David, the son of God. All these names were prophesied. Every other name was prophesied and told that this is what you would call him, the counselor, the kinsman redeemer. But this one name, no one knew. It had not yet been revealed until then, until that moment. No one in the Old Testament knew that that would be a name. There was still, in essence, God was saying, there's still one name of me, one name of the Messiah, the Christ, that you don't know. And that name is imperative. So what was that name? The Word of God. Whew, big stuff, isn't it? You got the Bible. Mm, mm, let's look at this a little bit more, yes? Let's go to John chapter 1, verse 5. Excuse me, John chapter 1, verse 1 through 5. This is St. John. We've got Revelation, St. John, and 1 John, and 2 John. All Johns, all right? John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5 says, In the beginning was the what? The Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Let's just stop here for just a second. I have a question regarding this verse. Because it starts off saying, in the beginning was the word. Um, from what I could fathom, words happen after the beginning. Words have to happen after, like actual words. For me to communicate with words, we have to, that cannot be at the beginning. It has to be after the beginning. We have to formulate words, things that represent a specific concept, right? So in the beginning was the, was, was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. But what were the words? I mean, what were they? Who said them? Who did they say them to? And did they that they said them to understand them? Because words are meant to convey a specific idea. They are meant for the person that is giving the word and the person that is receiving. So words have to be a, a unity of information. You could have a word for something, but nobody else knows what that word is. You are not communicating, and thus you have no word. Yeah. Do you understand? You like, ha <laughs> super full of love. What? Super full of love. You get that, you're weird look. <laughs> <laughs> right so you may have a word and something in mind as it relates to that but if the person who is receiving it does not also have it there is no communication right so in order to actually have words to do what they're supposed to do and that is to communicate a specific idea or concept then there has to be some commonality in it but there was no English then there was no Hebrew at that at the, in the beginning Right? Right? That, what, what, what? And so now the question becomes, this is just me talking to myself, self. Can you communicate without words? Hmm? Absolutely. You can absolutely communicate without words. There are all types, 10 major forms of nonverbal communication. Right? Um, most of it is in expressions and face and sound tactile, movement, right? Tone, pitch, how much space you take up, how much space you don't take up, how you present yourself, how you present your environment. All of that is nonverbal communication where you can convey a certain idea without necessarily having a name for it. So I could have, you could know something. It's something without a name. You'll know it, but you don't know what to call it. You, you can identify and relate to it, but you don't know what it's called. 
if I had to explain it to you, the only way I could explain to you or somebody else that thing that I got from somebody else is that I have to replicate that thing that I saw. Like if we didn't have a word for anger, and, and Danny looked at me like, Ugh. and I'm like, I don't know what you call that, but I feel what that is. And somebody said, well, what did Danny say? She didn't really say nothing. She just said, Ugh. the only way you would know what that thing is that was just communicated is that I have to absolutely reflect it. I have to do exactly what it is that I saw, even though there's no name for it. Hello? Okay. So there's nonverbal communication, right? Ways that we say things without necessarily ascribing a word to it, right? It's just uh, something that we both can relate with. Where, when it comes to nonverbal communication, there's a couple of things that are distinct between that and verbal communication. Verbal communication is distinct, and nonverbal communication is, uh, in face-to-face -face interactions, is continuous. Okay, let me say that again. Verbal communication is distinct. That means it has an end. If I tell you something, what I'm telling you in verbal communication, whether I sign it, write it, or say it, it has an end. The sentence comes to an end. You cease communication. You stop talking. That's verbal communication. When we have the exact amount of words that we are conveying back and forth, that has an end. Nonverbal communication has no end. It's continuous. Even when you try not to show nonverbal communication, even in that, you're still showing nonverbal communication. <laughs> You're like, you know what? I'm not even going to say nothing. You're saying something by. There is no way to cut off. Y'all don't want to help me. I am trying to build something here. There is no way to cut off nonverbal communication. Nonverbal communication is continuous and infinite. As long as the thing is present, it is still, as long as the thing is present, it is still communicating. Whether you know what it's saying or not, whether you're tuned in or not, whether you stop looking and start looking, the mere fact that it is present, it is still communicating. And will continue to communicating forever and ever and ever and ever. says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. There were no actual words. So this term logos is not referring to the ABCs and the Hebraic uh, letters coming together. It's referring to an expression, a revelation. So when, when John uses the word logos, he's not saying cat, apple, the Ten Commandments, thou shalt not. That's not what he's talking about. That's not what he's saying was in the beginning. What he's saying was in the beginning was an expression. Yeah. I am trying to show you something without using any words because we don't have words. You and I don't have a singular word. We don't have a concept of a singular thing. You and I do not see eye to eye. We do not necessarily have the right stuff. I'm trying to convey something, but we don't have words, so I'm going to express it non-verbally. Are you with me now? Are you saying it? Okay. So in the beginning was the word, an expression of God. And the word or the expression of God was with God. A uh, duh. And the, wor and the word or the expression was God. Right? That makes a whole lot more sense. Right? What you're trying to say is you. And you are what you're trying to say because you are perfect and there's no shadow of turning or hypocrisy within you. So you are what you're trying to say and you are definitely trying to say something and it has always been you and it's always there with you. Duh. Right? And it was always there from the beginning, the expression of God. Right? Now then it goes on to say, and all things were made through this expression. So God had something he wanted to say at a time where there was no saying. 
but he wanted to express something. Hello, somebody. So he decided to express himself through making something. And everything that he made was made through that express. Come on, y'all don't want to help me. Help me preach it, Minister Monifa. Everything that he made was made through that expression. There's something I want to show, something I want to convey, something I want to express, something I want to say about myself and who I am. And, so, so that I, and there are no words for this because I have not created words, but there's something that I need people to know about me. I need all of everything to see something about me, even if I just see it myself. Myself sees myself, and this is me. And I desire to express me, right? There are no words. So I'm going to make an expression of myself. I'm going to call it creation. It's, it's heaven and earth and everything else that we may not know. This will be my expression. In this creation that he is using, so everything that was made was made through this expression, through this concept, this thing I want to communicate. And if it is me, and I'm trying to express myself to everything around. And I am love. I am truth. I am life. I am holy. I am righteous. I am all powerful. I am omnipresent. And when you look at creation, you could see that everything about God is expressed. Come on. Through that. Every concept of him is expressed through that. And without that, there is nothing that exists that could actually express him apart from that. Anything you would try to think to express cannot be expressed because it has to be a part of this expression because all things were, were made through this expression. There's nothing. What, what is outside of this? Nothing. What is outside of what you're trying to convey? Absolutely nothing but me. Nothing is outside of what I'm trying to convey. Everything that you see is within what I'm trying to convey. And there was nothing that could have been made apart from what I'm trying to say. When we go on, continue down in, in John chapter 1, verses 1 through 5, somewhere around the fifth verse. Uh, John says something else. Now, this is cute. I mean, this is huge. Because you see it in the book of John. You see it in 1 John, 2 John. You see it in Hebrews. You see it in Colossians. You see it in the book of Revelations. You see this concept intertwined in all of the gospels and the epistles. This new revelation as Christ, as the word of God. Then he says something toward the end of these latter couple of verses. He says, in him was life. And the life was the light of men. See, this, this got me. Because I would have thought that the scripture would have said it different. As a matter of fact, when I read it, I read it differently. I read, in him was light, and the light was the life of men. That's not what it says. It's the reverse. It says, in him is life, and the life was the light of men. This means that life causes you to see. Not seeing gives you life. Y'all, why is no one ready? <laughs> Let me say it again. Okay, okay, okay. I'm going to slow it down. All right, you ready? In essence, life causes you to see. But seeing does not give you life. I thought that true life is understanding and seeing. Hello? It fits me to know that true life is understanding and understanding is equated to as seeing. That fits me. Right? But John says, no. Life is seeing. Now that part, life is seeing, does not resonate with my nature. Why? Because Adam and Eve decided to flip it by seeing. And take, she looked upon the tree and saw that it was good and saw that it was good. 
the knowledge of good and evil. Good to make her wise. She saw it. They flipped the intentionality of what God was trying to do. Well, he was trying to say, let me give you life, and through life you can see. We said, let me see that I might attain life. And for a long time, that's all we've been living. Like, I need to understand what is the purpose of life? Why am I here? What do you want me to do? Why is this the way that it is? How does this work? Every day, I, want, I need to see, I need to see, I need to see. And thus, by seeing, we think that we will have life. And then the Bible says, absolutely not. If any man tries to keep his life, he'll lose his life. If anybody loses his life, he will actually gain life. You're not going to be able to have life by seeing. But I can give you life and then cause you to see. Tough. Tough. This diametrically opposes who we are. We crave understanding and knowledge. And we think that that gives us a quality of life. It sustains us in life. But he says, no. No, 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 no. I give you life. And then you will see after that. I give you life. And then you'll see. Right? There's a a concept here that I wanted to sketch out for you. So there's a concept here, a relationship that the psalmist in Psalms 119 shows us a relationship between life and light, between life and the word of God. There's a very tight relationship with that. And I wanted to look at it at the, bo the most basic level of creation. And that level would be, oh, here we go the atom right the atom same same the atom if you guys remember when you were in school comprises it looks kind of like that right yes all right and atoms make have a nucleus you remember this all right, the atom has a nucleus, that's that center black dot, electrons and protons, right? Neutrons, protons, <laughs> electrons. And from our previous lessons, yes, quarks and newarks, but those are the particles that make up electrons, protons, and neutrons. They're even smaller than that. Okay, but the smallest fundamental unit of life, all right, not the elements that comprise this, but what make up matter or anything in reality, all right? Because without words, there's a nonverbal way to communicate or to express, and that is through motion, right? So atoms are the one unit that is constantly moving in relation to itself, and that is expressing life. Okay, you with me? So that's electrons, protons, neutrons, and a nucleus. Electrons are the little red dots that kind of float around the outside of the atom on rings or orbits, and it just moves around and around. And every electron has its own charge, yes, it's, but more specifically, it has its own space it likes to reside in. All right? If you're on a ring in the middle, that's where you want to stay. You stay in your lane. And every atom has a specific number of electrons based off of what it's supposed to be, then those electrons, based off of what it's supposed to be, prefer to stay where they're supposed to be at. Okay? That's an atom that is very stable. Right? But atoms can be excited. They could be, they could, they could, they could get a little bit of, of excitement to them. And that excitement produces power. By this thing called a photon. Photons, exactly, are the tiniest unit of light. Light waves, sound waves, anything like that that causes us to be able to sense it is made up of tiny little bits of photons at the basic unit, which is light. Yes? Photons don't live in atoms. They travel all around atoms. They dwell in the spaces that, that atoms dwell in. Okay? All right. So photons are light. 
and atoms represent life, right? Photons live in the spaces of life. And what they do with the atoms is when a photon, specifically a photon similar to the same size, hits an atom, it can cause <laughs> an excitement by taking one of those little electrons that was very happy in its orbit, right? Here's the nucleus, right? And the photon could hit one of those electrons, right? And bump it, push it from one space or orbit to another. So the light collides with the life and it causes a force and a power. And as that electron pushes up to the next level, it sits there excited and jittery. Just, ah! And everybody else is trying to rearrange because this new electron and bumped up in my lane. And everybody's like, ah, I don't like you here. And eventually everybody's all excited and there's so much tension in that, that eventually over time that electron falls back to its normal state. And when it falls back to its normal state, it gives off light. So when it goes back, it gives off light. Can y'all see that? Okay, so when it goes back to its original state, it gives off more photons and more light. So when light interacts with life, life is always trying to find another back to, stabi to, to stabilize, right? So as it moves back to stabilize, it then reflects the very thing that it in was engaged with. This concept is happening in everything that you see right now, constantly. That light is engaging with life and it is trying to push and pull and use power and, and light sources back and forth, back and forth to create, right? It's a huge deal. Nobody gets excited about that but me. So when he says that you need life to see, and that that life is the light. He's saying, I am the photon. I'm the thing that needs to interact with you, that you need to have, because there could be all kinds of, there's, 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 uh, 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 what is it? There's, there's photons, there, um, what is that? Uh, not electrons, um, pho photo, mm -mm, no, uh, pro, 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 protons. Photons, protons, there's another one. It's, it's the anti of the uh, electron. Neutrons, that's a neutral. Protons, that's another one. But it's the exact copy of the electron with the, with the opposite charge. But there are, what I'm trying to say, there are all kinds of pro, uh, particles that live in this space, right? That engage all around these atoms. But the one that is needed is the photon because that is what engages more life and creates more life by creating more power, more light. Does that make sense? And some of them just cause the atom to decay. Now the thing about atoms is they don't get old. When we hear decay, we think age. No. It, atoms just cease to exist. They are annihilated by running into other atoms of the same size with the same charge. And that is randomly done, they say. Like it's not that they just get old and be like, I am now decaying. <laughs> I've lost all of my power. In essence, they will never decay have a possibility of never dying, but it is selected at a certain point when that atom will cease. Every atom has a, a certain time that it's just going to stop. No one knows the day or the hour that it's just going to stop, right? But everything has a date that it's just going to stop. The idea that you are still running means that you have a lot of atoms still engaging with life and light, right? And at some point, some of those pivotal atoms will stop engaging, right? And will cease, and then you will cease. And then you'll still have atoms, but over time, they will slowly start to cease, and then you have your physical body decaying as radiation leaves your body, which is what radioactivity is, the decaying of atoms, a, co a collection of atoms that cease to exist. The reason why this is so uh, important Let's go to uh, Hebrews chapter 1. 
So God comes and says, I'm trying to express me. I'm trying to give an expression of myself. Yes, I created man in my image, but all of creation is an expression of me. And apart from it expressing me, it's dying. It's dead. It does not need to exist. When you look at the atom with the protons, neutrons, and electrons, the electrons have a negative charge, right? Protons have a positive charge. Do you think that the electrons are bad? Because they're negative? No. Really? Do you th okay, so that, so you, but you do think that the protons is good because they're positive? Huh? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to, and then the electrons are the bad guys because they're negative, right? And, and the protons are good because they're positive. Or is it that they're only good based off of their ability to complete what they were created for. So if I need an electron at this time, then an electron is good. If I need a proton at this time, then a proton is good. But if I have no need of the electron and the electron shows up, now the electron is bad. If I have no need of a proton and the proton shows up, now, I, now the proton is bad. There's something that was intended for that atom and anything that disturbs that, that is what determines whether it's good or bad, not the entity itself. So if God had to express himself, and this is, this is the catch, okay? Because they'd be like, well, why would a good God have bad stuff? But electrons are needed just as much as protons. Y'all don't want to help me. Electrons are needed just as much as protons are needed, and neutrons are needed just as much as electrons are needed, and they're only bad if they do not fulfill what that atom was designed to fulfill. But in of themselves, they're not good or bad, right? In themselves, you're just an electron, right? So the decay of an atom, as it is radio radioactive, is only bad if you're not supposed to die of cancer. But if you're supposed to expire, then the only way for you to expire is that these atoms have to decay. Tough, 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 tough. Well, why is there death? Because the expression of who God is does not necessarily say that death is bad in that death says on the earth, if you're not, it's only bad if you don't live again. Do you not have any life circulating within your atoms that will continue to cause you to keep living? If life is not circulating in the spaces of you, y'all don't want to help me. If life is not circulating and you going to work, if life is not circulating and you cooking dinner, if life is not circulating and you driving your car, if life is not circulating and you, and you doing your hair, if life Christ is not circulating in these spaces, now we have a problem because there's automatic death and decay. But if life is circulating in this space, even if you die, you will live. All it takes is another exciting force. All it takes is a spark and a twinkle of an eye. All it takes is in a twinkle of an eye, we're caught up. All it takes is an encounter. And you back alive like never even happened. Like never, nothing ever even happened. Instantly you're raised from the dead. You, I thought I was dead. How could you be dead? There's life passing through your spaces. And I'm calling all my life back up to me. Come on. I'm, forget y'all, man. Forget y'all. <laughs> Sit on down. Since atoms don't age, all they need is excitement, power. Huh? Power of, of some type of spirit moving in those spaces, constantly engaging with that atom to make sure that all of creation keeps functioning. That's all that's necessary. So we see Christ. Let's look at what I tell you to go, Hebrews. Hebrews 1. I'm going to read the English Standard Version. It says, long ago and many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he credited the world, created the world, excuse me, also whom he created the world. He is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is the Christ that they're talking about. 
This is the word of God made flesh, which we will see, which you can read in, in John. Here is Christ coming as the express image of God. So if I'm trying to express who I am, and I've put throughout the Old Testament, I've put a lot of words out there. When y'all finally got words, I got words for you, all right? I am the Alpha, the Omega, I'm the I am. I got words, right? I'm giving you all my words. And for some reason, it's just, it's not, it's not hitting. For example, let's say uh, I invite someone to my house. Let's say I invite you to my house for the first time, right? You come to my house, and first time you're there, you go right to my refrigerator, and you open it up. And I say to you, no, no, no. <laughs> it's your first time here. Can I help you with something? <laughs> Do you need something? Right? And you're like, so you don't, I can't just come in and open your refrigerator? No, you cannot just come in and open my refrigerator. That is the law of this house. That is the rule. Now, you can take that law and say, hmm, she doesn't like it when you open her refrigerator. Opening her refrigerator is a sin. Opening her refrigerator is wrong. Opening her refrigerator, you should never open her refrigerator, right? And then all of a sudden, let's say Gabrielle shows up. And she's been to my house a million times. She could just walk in, like, hey, Pastor, how you doing? Open the refrigerator, get a glass of water. And you go, <laughs> she broke the sin, the one law that said you should not. <laughs> what? Hello? That this was the word. This was the law that I communicated. This was the expression of who I am. You are a very orderly person. You would like to do it for yourself. You would like to serve them. You do not want them to be served. You prefer that people operate in decency and order. I could see the type of person you are by you telling me not to open your refrigerator. The word of God can point to the characteristics and nature of God. Hello, somebody. But what we end up doing is we end up focusing on, okay, we should not go in the refrigerator and get water. Don't go in the refrigerator and get water. Don't go get water. No, he wants you to always rely on him to get the water. Don't you ever get the water. No matter how close it is, don't you get the water. And then we're focusing on don't get the water, don't get the water. And he's over here going, are we going to do something else besides that? Did you not come to visit me? Did you, was there some other reason that you came into my presence? Because now all you're doing is focusing on how you're not supposed to get the water, and that's all that you have learned about him. And then he shows up and says, but for all you, for you, all things are lawful, but not expedient. What? I learned you through the law. I needed the law to show me who you are. And then you just say, mm, it's all good now. What? Uh, now it's fine. I mean, you could do it if you want. It's all still pretty good. If you want to ask me, yeah, go ahead. You can ask me how to get some water. Sure. But if you didn't ask me, I would be like, how dare you get out of my house and never show up? <laughs> Pastor, I got some water. Okay, good. As long as you got some water. Okay, good. So now it's cool? Yeah, for the most part. I built an entire religion. I built my whole life off the idea. I built everything you told me to do off the idea that I'm not supposed to get no water. That was your word. That's why John says throughout many times ago, in many ways, he spoke through the prophets saying, come on, somebody, this thou shalt not. Don't do this. This is what God is saying. But now he speaks through his son. Y'all Sit on down. Let me, let me get this part. Don't get up now. I'm, I, I got to finish it. He says, in the process of time, I've noticed something. That the more I tried to tell you what to do so that you could understand me, you begin to make this thing that I'm telling you to do or not to do the focus. And while it showed you certain aspects of me, it also caused you not to really know me. Well, he likes for us to get, not get the water, so I'm going to go over here and I'm going to not get the water. I'm going to not get the water. I'm going to not get the water. Huh? You say something? Yeah, 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 you, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm not getting the water. I'm not getting the water. And you're always doing this. And you're, you're, you're drawing conclusions about who he is from this. And God is a God of this, and he is holy, he is that. He is, and all of these things are true. But this has now become your focus and the only way you know him, and it is incomplete. 
So when he comes along and says, yeah, but I want us to be closer. Huh? I want us to have the kind of relationship where you can just walk in my house and go in my refrigerator. What? But you are a holy God. I should never go in the refrigerator and have water. Thou shalt not drink water. What? I never said thou shalt. That's you. It's not exactly what I meant by that. All right? He says, but I desire for us to be closer. For you to really know me, to have the kind of relationship where I no longer call you uh, uh, a servant, but what? But a friend. You could just walk right in my house and say, I think I'll have some of that. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. I want us to be close like that. Like, like you just know, and you know, I think it's a good time for a snack. I'm feeling snackish. Let me go over in the pantry and get some snacks. People literally that know me come right in my house and go right to the pantry. Ah, Pastor, can I have some, uh, uh, what do I want? Uh, uh, let me see, uh, cookies, chips, mm. And a new person is like, oh, my God. <laughs> He's just over there her parents are just looking around. <laughs> new people be like, uh, no, I don't want anything. I'm fine. You want some cookies? No, no, thank you. <laughs> well, I don't know what I want. But I'm going to walk over there and check first. Because uh, I want us to have that kind of relationship where, where you could just walk in and just interact with everything I got going on and, and flow with everything I got going on. We just flowing together. But the problem is that you've interpreted some things about me that have completely taken up all of your attention. They embody everything. That's all you do is thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And, and, I, and I really want us to get to know each other, but you are just so dogmatic that we cannot actually relate to one another. Yes, I don't want you to get the water because I like to serve. No, it's nothing bad about the, the, the refrigerator or you. But I prefer to, to start our relationship off with me getting you the water. <gasps> That's how you wanted to start. I wanted to start it off like that. That's what that was about. That's what it was about. Oh, my goodness. I just thought that she was like, no, thou shalt not. I'm, I'm evil for going to get water. If even wanting the water, I shouldn't even want it. Not really. But this is what I wanted to show. And then we can't get in that relationship. So he says, what I'm going to do, since you guys are just really law, <laughs> law commandments, so serious about it all, and it really squeezed out relationship with me. You don't even know me. You just know what I tell you to do and not do. And you've come up with some conclusions about me that are partly true, but not full, right? Like, I do want to get your water, but I also want to get to a point where you can get your own water in my house because mine is yours and yours is mine, Mikasa Sukasa. It's really where I wanted to get. And this is also true of my character. But you don't know that. You don't know that this is also true of my nature. Because it has not been expressed in a way that you can receive. There's no word for this part of me. There's no way for me to say. I mean, I say I'm love, but when you do love, it's not the way I do love. So thus, that's not being communicated effectively. So what if, what could I do, right, to then put all of me in a form, in another expression, put everything that I made, all of my initial expression that was in creation, put it in a more tangible form that can thus be expressed, and you will never again have to doubt the type of being that I am when you look at this expression. They say his name is Jesus. 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 Now I'm going to put all of my expression in laws and prophecies and words, and you got that mostly right, mostly wrong. It's a mess. Now I'm going to put everything, the first fruits of all creation. The beginning and the end, the ultimate way that I always designed to express myself and who I am, I'm going to put it in a very compact, relatable form for you. So when you look at him, you see me. When you see him, you see me. When you know what he's about, you know what I'm about. Yes. Thou shalt not you wash your hands before you eat. Your, sir, your disciples is not washing their hands. Check us out. What? 
Your lepers, you touched the leper. Watch this. Healed. What? You're doing things that we always thought should never be done. And now you're doing them out of what? For for what? For what? For love? Righteousness? Holiness? Peace? Come on, somebody. What? What? I know, but you said you should, we shouldn't touch the lepers. You could come out. Yeah, but now I'm, I'm, I'm here. My fullest expression is not the problem with the leprosy. My fullest expression is not the negative electron. Y'all don't want to help me. My fullest expression is not that I hate the electron. Come on, somebody. The electron serves a purpose like the proton serves a purpose. Your faults serve a purpose like your attributes serve a purpose. I do not have a problem with your negativity. I use it. I use it. I use your shortcomings. What? I work all things together for the good. How do you do that? But it's negative. It's a negative charge electron. <laughs> and you are a positively holy God. We don't interact. We don't. But we also flow together. You are different than me. But, but you still are a part of me. How? I am in you. But you are also in me. How? Come on. The word is abides in you if you abide. I don't know. Oh, my God. That's why he says when it comes to the spirit of God, he will reveal all truth. That the spirit of God will then come and rest and rule and abide in you. So that when you're reading my law, the spirit is showing you my truest heart and nature. And nobody needs to teach you don't do this. You just, you know why. And nobody says, don't go in the refrigerator. Ah, it's okay. Gabrielle is chief of this. She does things that nobody else would ever dare to do. I'm like, Gabby, get away from me. Ah, oh, but do I have to? Yes. Ah, I'm not going to get away from you. Pastor, Gabby, go away. Mm, no. And even though there is a true part of me saying, Gabby, back up. But she also knows. You're not going to do anything because you still love me. <laughs> like I do. I kind of like it and don't like it all at the same time. When I'm really serious, it's really hard for me to tell you, but Gabby, I'm serious. Move. Oh, fine. <laughs> but she would know that that is not a rejection of her. But that particular electron is not usable at this particular state. But better. But what you gonna take that when I say no? Well, I will never be nice like that again. See, see, see. I, you, I was hurt like that. I will never put myself out there like that again. I will never trust again. I will never love again. I will never. I will never because this part caused a reaction that I did not prefer. But that reaction was needed Jesus. and usable by God. Jesus. Right? Hello, somebody. <laughs> the Word of God reforms. <laughs> last scripture for today and we can go home Colossians chapter 1 are you there amen Whew. you got to know what the word of God is it can't reform you if you don't properly understand what it is it's bigger than just some words and scriptures and texts you read these things say something about God but the word of God is living and active. All right, let's, let's look at this. All right, verse 15. He, Christ, is the image of the invisible God. Now this makes sense, doesn't it? If I needed to show you myself, says God, but your functionality is to see, how do I show you me? when I am invisible. I want to express myself to you. Now I could do it in the spirit. I could do it audibly. But I also want to use this other sensing that I created you to have of sight, of touch. What if I make myself in, in the image of man? What if I'm born through Mary and just walk on the earth and have hands and a mouth and, and eyes and 
You can actually see me. He is the image of the invisible God. That makes so much more sense. It makes sense. He is the image of the God. We, we, he's invisible. God is a spirit. You cannot see him. But we need a way to see him. I'm so glad he gave me that way. All right? He's the firstborn of all creation. Duh. If all, if he is, if all things were an expression of God, then Christ would be the very first, the word of God would be the very first thing that was needed in order to express him. That's why Christ was slain from the foundation of the world, because that is an expression of who God is. He has to be slain. All of that is in him. And all of has to come through that. Christ had to be slain from the foundation. Why? Because this is the, all of creation is expressing God. So he, so he had to be slain from the foundation because all of creation comes through that, through that expression. It, it just bursts right through that. So uh, he had to be the firstborn of all creation. The first thing that was expressed was the word. And nothing was expressed apart from the word. See, now don't that make more sense? Rather than a whole bunch of church terms. Nothing could be expressed apart from Christ, who is the embodiment of the expression of who God is. The word of God. All things had to be expressed through that. This thing that I'm trying to show you about me. I'm like this, I'm like that. I'm this, I'm that. I mean, could you imagine trying to live with a perfect being? I mean, some of y'all get mad because other people think they're perfect and you know they're not. Like, how dare you think you are perfect? You are not. But could you imagine living with someone who is actually perfect? Could you imagine living with someone who knows everything? No, seriously. You know everything, everything. You know what I'm thinking right now? Absolutely. Ah! What would it be like to live with something that had all power? Someone that could do anything and everything, and you could do very little. Now, truly, because one of the attributes about God is unity. How do you unite with, how do you and I unite with someone that is all-powerful, all-knowing, hello somebody, all-perfect, right? How do you and I, how do we unite with this being, this him that is all of everything, and I am very little of any of those things. How do we walk in step together without me being absolutely destroyed at the sight of you? Christ. Christ. Christ shows up, dies on the cross, washes of us of our sins, and now we can walk with this all-powerful God and not be consumed because we have his nature inside of us. Like, if you left it up to me, I would not be doing that, but I, now I am doing that. Okay, look at us. Look at me. Look at us. Look at me. Apart from his spirit, I could do nothing. Apart from his spirit, I cannot do any of these things. And if I had to walk with you, I would be utterly consumed. I cannot dwell with you, live with you, love you. You're too perfect. You're too right. It makes me feel bad. I feel like a terrible individual because you're so amazing. I'm not fooling up with you. I need to be somebody, with, somebody like me. Bad. Right? So he gives us your spirit, his spirit. So that now, when you was like, I'm bad, but look at it. Look, I can flow with you. Look at me. Look at you. Walk on water. I walk on water. Look at this. All of a sudden, you're able to do something in unison with the Father that you and I were not capable of doing apart from his spirit, and his spirit was given because of his son. Because if we really had to live with God, we'd be like, oh, this is a horrible life. And some of us struggle with living with God because we have not lived with him by the spirit. We haven't lived with him by the spirit. We live with him by the law. And then we fall short. And we don't like ourselves, and we get angry and frustrated, right? But he says, live by the Spirit. Live by the part of you that I gave you that naturally flows with me. The electrons that I bounce around that gives you a little bit more power, a little bit more spunk, puts you in the right direction, forces you to go over there and not over there. Live with that part. Come on and bless the name of the Lord. Amen. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth. Look at this. Visible and what? By this word of God, this expression of God, all things were created, heaven and on earth, the things we see, the things we cannot see. Whether it's a throne or a dominion or a ruler 
or authority. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things. Now this makes sense. And in him, all things hold together. This makes so much sense. And he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning from the first uh, born of the, the firstborn from the dead, that in everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether it's on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of the cross. This expression that God put in human form, his, his expressions that he put in, in the body of Christ as, as Christ himself, this expression he's trying to say, it reconciled all of his creation. Where we wanted to live by seeing now, we, we have life and then we see. Now the, the, what, we originally, what he originally wanted of creation is happening. We have life and then we see. Now it makes sense. We have Christ now we understand versus we understand in order to have life. And it's all been reconciled. Now I understand why you say don't open the refrigerator. But you know at some time I'm going to be able to open that refrigerator. <laughs> now I get why you told me not to go over there. And I don't want to go over there. Because that's not really, that's all trash anyway. I don't want to go over there no way. That makes sense. Now there's such a, a unity of spirit that causes you to flow with God. It started with his word but it is completed in us by the work of Christ. So you can't go back and try to live the law in order to understand God. You have to live by the Spirit. And you, who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds, he has now reconciled in his body of the flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you have heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, and of which I, Paul, became a minister. He's saying now that you've seen the Christ, you know that he is the word of God. He is the expression of all that God had in mind and all that God wanted to do. And in him, you and I came into existence. And anything apart from that cannot exist. Because he had one singular idea. And that was that expression of himself. Anything that does not fall in line with that is trash. It's meant for destruction. But it doesn't have to be you because you and I have been reconciled. By that word of God taking on flesh, becoming flesh, dying on a cross, that blood being shed, and now all of creation can come back in to the expression that he had in mind, flowing with him, both electrons, protons, neutrons, good stuff, bad stuff, highs and lows, sickness and in health, till death do we grow closer. Even closer we get, right? Now I get it. Now I see all things work together for the good. Now I understand that your word is a discerner of my heart. Now I see how your spirit does show me truth in all things. Now I see that the word of God is living and breathing, standing all over the house. 